them in their their actual NBA uniforms. You know, like to me, it, it actually appeared pretty good. Like Paul George, your boy, playing out of his mind. You know, the first half hitting that half court shot. So it was like, it was fun. It got off to a, a pretty fun start, in my opinion. So I was like, this is easy to like get excited about right off the rip. Yeah, I started getting excited when I saw the courts. And I was like, oh, they put a lot of thought into this. Like, it set is up set up so nicely. Like, they put so much thought into it. And I'm just like, all right. That plus the COVID test stuff, I'm like, okay, we have a chance. We have a chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very skeptical, as I'm sure you know. And I have generally always am. I'll believe anything goes well with bad situations when I see it and not a second before. And, uh, yeah, so – I was impressed. Yeah, when I saw the videos of the court and everything, I was impressed with how spaced out everything was, but how compact it seemed to, you know, they, they got the scorekeepers, they got the scoreboard set up on the sidelines, which was kind um, yeah. of cool. Some of these local got local broadcasts don't need to reconsider what they're doing. Like the Nuggets one, they had like freaking like four dudes on a Zoom call. Oh, that was, that, was, that was trash. I was that like, was what, trash. Are you, what are you guys doing? This call, it's still a regular game. Just call like a regular game from your house. Like, yeah, my, my I big, didn't understand that. No, my big point with that was like, I don't watch Walt and, Clyde, uh, Walt and uh, Mike Breen's face during the Knicks broadcast. Like, th- those are their yeah. – you know, like, that's not even the thing that happens during the regular broadcast. It's like a quick cutaway to like – the panel or the people doing it and you, you know they have their quick minute or whatever and then you go back to the nba action or like a quick moment you do picture in picture you don't operate the entire broadcast yeah i just think they were scared like the way baseball is like how quiet it looks and they thought they would have to like fill in a bunch of empty time but then basketball is a super fast paced game um they set up the court like they were, like you couldn't see empty fans it's not like it's not like you throw a pitch someone hits a foul ball you wait like 30 seconds for the next bit is basketball. Like you don't need all of that. So hopefully they, they adjust because other teams did it much better. Yeah. I, that, that was like my only gripe. If I had one other than that, like I thought the heat doing the crowd noise was pretty cool uh, at first. Then it felt kind of weird after like at first I was like, oh, all right, it's a nice touch. Yeah, and then I was the like, same well, graphic, you know what I mean? Yeah. If yeah. It's the same graphic. Like I don't, I don't think, this from the preseason is the same dudes from game one of the playoffs. Like, I think after a while, it's not going to feel – it's going to feel the sense of size. So, hopefully, if they're going to do that, they put some real thought and they have, like, different things and stuff like that But and be more timely with it. But, you know, people are trying stuff. Um, and it's – I mean, for the first day, like, it, it looks all right. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I was saying, I was saying too, from a viewer perspective, to be honest with you, we really didn't. Nothing really changed because no. the, the the broadcasts typically bring you a lot. Whether everybody hates the broadcast or the commentators and thinks you know that they suck and whatever, like there's still people that are entertaining you that are talking play to play, right? Then they have graphics and things that come in, like there's some music that'll play from time. You know what I mean? Like we didn't actually like nothing actually really changed for us other than like the occasional roar of the crowd after a big shot, which of course is nice. And I think we all would agree in a perfect world, we would have that, but it's like, I feel like it's different if you're at, like if I'm watching a baseball game live right now, like, Oh God, like it's gotta be a nightmare. Like you're just sitting there like no crowd. You're the only one like, yeah, like clapping, like it'd be weird. You know what I mean? It'd be weird, but like you're not hearing the commentators. You're not hearing anything. But like for us watching, it's like we're we're mostly getting the same thing. The, the scoreboard is still there. We're still watching NBA players on a court in uniform. Like, 
I don't know. Like that was kind of my take. I was like, aside from the weird nuggets thing, like I thought it was more or less like business as usual. Yeah. I I am interested to see how uh how that impacts players, especially like role players, because like in the playoffs, there's always this thing of like role role players like get get caught up and they're not as good at home versus away. And then there's certain guys, you know, like there's a little bit of stage fright that goes in. We have thousands of people watching you. So I'm really interested to see, like, are there, like, certain role players? Like, is, I don't know, like, is, let's put on, like, is Jay Crowder going to suddenly be, like, a much better player now because he never has to play in front of fans for this entire thing? Or is Ben Simmons going to actually start shooting threes now more more consistently because he's not afraid of fans booing him if he airballs because there's no fans in the stands? I'm interested to see how that infects people uh, psychologically. Yeah, and I actually agree with that, too, because someone tweeted last night about Stanton, and they were like, oh, oh my God, there's no fan, like, no fans? Like, this is going to be just like Miami for him. He's going to go back to God mode. And then he hits, like, he goes, like, two for four, two for three, whatever, with, like, three RBIs, whatever stupid night that he had, and it was incredible. And I was like, ah, maybe you guys are onto something. Maybe he just hates playing with any kind of fans with any kind of pressure because the Yankee fans boo him all the time, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> all the time. And it's like, now he's just – you just empty stadium. It's just it's batting practice, though. That's perfect. So, so did I, like the wait? Does the baseball regular season actually start now, or are they doing like tune-up games? Oh no, this is regular. The, last week was the tune-up where it was like Yankees, Mets, and all that stuff. This was last night with the Yankees was the official first game, and then that game yeah. got that game stopped after five innings because you know that's just how things work in 2020. Nothing goes according to plan. Uh, rain delay, and then it got canceled. Um, oh my god yeah and then the but then the dodgers giants played an entire game after that so that was nice and now i'm i'm for sure i'm for sure in between baseball teams right now um i'm looking to transfer so 60 games short innings it might be my year to really watch and commit to a new team now yeah so uh we're just gonna i'm just you know i had this recorder for a little bit because i was like ah we could just cold open it or whatever right and then uh this is an excellent opportunity to introduce you because you're now a protest Yankee fan. Yes, yes, I am. Um, yeah, uh, I, I want you. I wanted you to admit it. Uh, I, I wore the shirt for you just so you could see it. It's a beautiful uh, shirt. It's a really great design. Yeah. It, so I was thinking, you know, Mookie didn't come here, but you know, it, it's a despicable. They could have afforded him. It's a despicable thing. They could have just paid him. This is this is an annoying thing in baseball where you have to like price out the stars and then they have to go sign a mega deal somewhere else. It's a ridiculous yeah, thing like, that they do. When you're that team, which I refuse to say the name of, when Thank you're you. that team with that type of payroll and like that type of income coming in, you don't get to pretend like you're some poor team that can't afford M- Mookie bets. Like, are you serious? Yep. I have no in- I have no interest in ever yep. acknowledging that team's existence again. But but that number fifty jersey on that that Dodgers jersey is just that, jer- that Dodgers jersey is fire, bro. Th- that it's, is a, that is an inspired. elite. That, I I really am honestly going to buy one because that's just it's it's something it's you fantastic. gotta have. But... Baseball jerseys and hockey jerseys low key underrated. Yes, low key. They're really they're I, I think they're much cooler than basketball jerseys. Yeah, I mean I like wearing basketball jerseys mostly in the summer as a lot of people do. Just as like 10, yeah, I feel like. like yeah, but, I feel like you've been going to like a like like a kickback, uh, maybe like a beach barbecue. Like it feels okay. Like I can wear a basketball jersey, but like you could dress up and go in like a baseball jersey or a hockey jersey somewhere. Like it's much more fashionable for the average person. This is true. You can get some absolute fits off when you go to baseball yeah. games. This is very true. 
With me on the pod today is my good friend, Alex Kungu. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Feeling good. Happy basketball's back. And can't wait to actually talk about something that's uh, that's actually real. Not a flashback. Not, not history. It's just actual things that are happening. Very excited. Yeah, I, I struggled during the time off a little bit. At first, I was trying to do a couple pods, like some flashback type stuff. You know, you, you came on even when we did the last dance, which was a nice little break in some of that action. But... You know, like you said, it's nice like we get something new for once. It was hard for me to keep going back to the the nostalgia well, you know. It was just I wanted something fresh to talk about. And now we got it. So as we're talking a little bit uh in the intro there, the bubble games got off to a good start. It looks good. The setup is nice. Games have kind of gotten off without a hitch. There's been no positive tests inside the bubble, it appears, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So everything is kind of going about as well as it could a weekend or so? Yeah, I mean, um, outside of uh, Sabonis getting injured and a couple of the Clipper guys, um, you know, leaving to go home, I hope leaving to go home with family isn't a pretext to uh, other stuff <laughs> that that um, is actually positive to us. We're, we're hoping that's not the case in the NBA is actually positive uh, test-free inside the bubble. But I've really enjoyed the basketball so far. It's only been a day or two, but they you could tell they really put a lot of thought in the setup and how it's going to look to viewers. And I think some of these uh, – some of the stuff they're doing now with some of like the new camera angles and stuff like that are things I hope that they incorporate even when uh, fans get back. I like some of the low angles that they've been showing. Yeah. Um, I know the – NBA Twitter accounts been cutting up some of the highlights, but it really makes some of these plays that were already great in the broadcast look even better. Like Simmons threw a no-look alley to Tobias Harris today, and it was like a nice little cross-court alley, you know? And, I mean, it was beautiful. And then uh, you see it again on the replay and uh, on the different, like, lower angle, and it was just – it was nice. So I I agree. And and the setup kind of allows you to try these different things out. So I'd hope that, you know – this is all an experiment. I, I would hope you're going to learn. Obviously, some of this stuff isn't going to go right, you know, like we talked about with the broadcast from the Nuggets. But, you know, some of that stuff is going to go well, which is some of the angles. And uh, I think most of the effects have been kind of all right. Like, they have that little back – the backdrops are kind of nice with the logos. And, you know, I think they have the scoreboard there and everything. Uh, the Heat fans was like the one kind of like uh, – piped in instance that I really saw that was kind of over the top, but everything else is kind of like, I don't know, kind of reminded me of like TBT. It was just, you know, you had your nice little backdrop that you saw as the guys were playing and that was it. It was just a normal basketball game. Yeah. And I mean, now that the NBA doesn't have to worry about, you know, getting a, getting as many fans and seats they actually push back the sanctions. So that, that, that's also great. And, you know, will hopefully lead to people not being injured as well. So so far, so good for the league. Yeah, I'd like to think that guys are going to feel more aggressive. You know what I mean? I, I'd like yeah. to. I like to. I never got to ask anybody that, but next time I talk to a player, I'd like to ask them that. Is like what what goes through their mind when they know they're going to like dunk and they have like barely any feet to land? You know, you got like what four or five feet before you hit the cameraman as you're trying to come down. Like that's got to it's got to factor in a little bit. You know, some of these guys have had yeah. multiple close calls or stumbles or crashes. You know. Speaking of cameramen, I wonder how many of them are like, yo, am I going to have a job? Because 
I have not known. I mean, I guess the people that sit under the sanctions are what, like mostly photographers or are they also like getting camera angles too? I, so from what I understand, they have to operate because one of, you know, my coworker, uh, his father is uh, Nathaniel Butler and I know he's there and I, he, I think they have to have him operate like uh, the, the robot camera or whatever it's called, like the automatic okay. one. So they, they got to do it like remotely is the point. So, yeah, because like they have ways to do that during the regular season anyway. Like some of yeah. those shots that you see are from the remote clickers that they'll do. But um, I think now they have to be reliant on it because they can't get on the floor and get those usual spots that they like. So I wonder, I'm going to assume it's set up somehow, maybe by seniority, something like that, where you get certain spots for your cameras and then yeah. like your your remote spots. And then that's just what you have to work with. and everyone's got to try to make the best of it. I'd like to ask somebody, but I, that's kind of my guess anyway. Yeah, fair. Yeah. These, these camera angles that they have right now are really showing that whatever summer bot James Harden has might've been Photoshopped. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> some, some of these guys came back looking like thicker, like not like, yes. like, like for example, I don't know if you were you watching the Blazers game. Like Dame looked, Dame looked like bigger and I couldn't tell. I was like, I don't know if he's just been working out a lot more. But he's like, yeah, he's, like he's like noticeably huskier to some degree. You really can't tell. Like that's why I hate calling players out or in a shape because like they're in the NBA. They're all elite athletes. No so, idea what they're like, doing. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, the, it it was definitely a choice for Damian Lillard to go thicker. <laughs> um, it was definitely some great Photoshop for whoever did the James Harden feature on Skinny Harden. Very great Photoshop because that man, that man does not look like he missed any meals. Yeah, uh, not. I, I believe he, he feel he seems like a, he seems like a guy who who would have. So, I mean, he's oh, playing. Man. Are you watching right now? He's playing. My, yeah, yeah, they're playing now. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. The that that camera angle was just like, no, it's James, it's James, yeah. it's James. Yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, this is something I wanted to ask uh, any of my next guests on the pod, but especially, what do you feel about just environment-wise in the bubble? Like, I know you said about, like, the role players and and who's going to thrive, but, like, I do wonder, like, some of these, if it's going to be more pickup poop type of feel, because all these games were very fast-paced. You know what I mean? Ten-minute quarters allowed for it. But I do really wonder, like, the Jamal Crawfords that got to crawl back into the league, you know, are, are we allowing for a better situation for these guys? I'd like to think that that's more of the feel that'll come from these games. I That's the sort of notion I'd like to believe heading into this. But what what is your thoughts just sort of environment-wise? Are we going to see a different game from these guys or is it going to be mostly business as usual? I think it's going to vary. Like, I think the Brooklyn Nets do not care. Honestly, like I think they're just they, there to make they sure don't. that they're yeah, they're just there to make sure they're healthy. They're they're probably gonna treat this like a lottery team at the end of the regular season, despite the fact that they're a seven seed right now, but that's a different story. Um I so I could see a situation where they just let Jamal Crawford roll the ball and say, Hey man, try to get another contract next year. Do your thing. Um, but then I think for other teams, it's not necessarily because those these are scrimmages, they don't have too many at all and then you're pretty much jumping to the playoffs like as soon as these eight games are done so even yeah. though these are these are scrimmages and stuff like that and they don't count quote unquote 
um, it's still important for teams to get back into rhythm, find their identities, really buckle down on like who they are as a team. So I think for like the teams that actually take themselves seriously, it's not going to be different in terms of like the play style, but I do think some of these other teams that were just invited for the moolah. um, Yeah, it could get fun. It could get, it could get crazy. I wish the on waiters was on the wizards because it would be in for such a great ride. That would have been such a great ride. It it feels gluttonous that the Lakers got to have him and JR for the bubble experiment. It feels unfair because I feel like the minutes will not be distributed in a way that entertains us the way that we would like to be. So that is what it is. But I agree with you. It would have been nice to see him flourish a little bit more. Uh, Seeing him hit that big three in the game the other day was very, very fun, and I enjoyed it. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, I mostly agree. Um, The only thing that's really made me – put some thought into what teams are doing now is for example, like uh, the discussion on the timeline earlier today, and perhaps yesterday a little bit was regarding like drop coverage and, you know, perhaps the game having to eventually revert back to, you know, where mid range is acceptable because if you drop so much every time, eventually teams are going to have to try to beat you from where you're giving them space in theory. So I know that that's been coming up, for example, right? So teams that do this a lot in the regular season, are we going to see this in the scrimmages and in the couple of games right before the playoffs? Or is this the time when we're going to see teams try to take a, you know, you more or less know who you're going to play. You should probably start tightening it up and preparing for them to some degree. You know, that's something that I've been trying to wonder how you manage that when you almost know you got to, some of these teams are going to have to kind of BS through the games because you're more or less t- uh, locked in. Um, but I was just wondering, because we all know that it's a drastic switch with the play style. But now you're coming right back into action, and now you got to worry about getting to the playoffs for a couple of games and now preparing for somebody else. You know, It's just kind of a, a lot to go back through the motions of your normal regular season scheme and then have to worry about the real battle ahead. You know. Yeah, and then also because these guys are like so not in shape and they've been gone for what was like a full um, – pretty much a full offseason. Like, do they remember all their stuff? Are they are – they, do they remember like – how they play together, like, it shows its tendencies. Like, granted, I'm sure maybe the stars do and stuff like that, but, like, for role players and stuff like that, like, it's almost kind of like they could have really had had a whole offseason been on a different team in the same time period. So it's like, did they keep all those schemes in? Like, they, there was times where they probably didn't know they were going to play basketball, like how much far back they fall. So I think, I think obviously it's going to vary between teams because some teams are just going to come in, like, the Bucks look like they – the corporate knowledge is there. There's going to be no type of drop off. Like they're good just by getting healthy in some playoffs. But then a team like my Celtics look like, okay, um, we're very not conditioned and how the offense is working is going to be a challenge because even though um, a, a team like the Celtics did well in the regular season, despite suffering injuries, um, those injuries also meant that there wasn't a lot of continuity to begin with prior to the break. And now after this four month break and then come like for some of these, like these are going to be feel like brand new lineups. There's not a lot of continuity in them at all. It's not like the Raptors who won a championship with their core guys. So yeah, I think uh, teams have very interesting and very varied situations that they'll go through, but I would put money on that. Most coaches are like, we're focused on getting the best out of us. And then we'll think about adjusting later when we have to. 
It's fair. Uh, I mostly agree with you. It was just like, for example, like the the one team that gets brought up uh, or got brought up that I kept seeing was like the Pacers. And everyone was arguing about, well, in the regular season, the Pacers drop like so much, you know, and then it's like, well, what are you going to do? Like they're going they're going to the playoffs like they they had a decent season. They're going to be a, a pretty decent seat, you know, and then it's like, what are those guys going to do when they got to flip the switch real quick? But again, it's a they got to deal with the here and now first before they get there. But just something that I was thinking because it really did make me think about how reliant, obviously, you are on stars in the the playoffs. And, yeah, so we'll see. But excited for the playoffs either way. Um, but, yeah, we got to get these, these Nets and the Wizards experiments out of here. Yeah, I mean, it was going to be fun at first. Like, I honest to God was looking forward to Bradley Beal cooking. Like, that was my first big thing. I was like, that's going to be just – I'm going to tune into every game because th- what what other chance do they have? It was, of course, just Bradley Beal shooting 50 times a game. Like, that's all, of course, that they were going to do. Of course. And then – I wonder if he saw the Nets play just a little bit and was like, damn, I should have came. Damn, we could have been, like, the second seed. I could have gave the Raptors a run for their money a little bit. Like, damn, I should have came. Like, like I, I get it, obviously. You know, but it was just like, you know, selfishly, I'm sitting there thinking, like, wow, like, Brad – all he did was cook everybody this season. You, you give him, you give him, you know, legit nothing to lose in the bubble. Like that, maybe you can catch the Nets. Like, amazing. I mean, it would. I, I, I would have hoped it would have been like a, a 30, 40 point streak just going off in the bubble. But I digress. It, it would have been nice. But the, the Nets got to blow it up. They, they've lost everybody and then some. Uh, Wizards got to blow it up. So we'll see. I'd like to just kind of. The scrimmages look decent enough. I'd like to just kind of get to the playoffs here. But you know what's something I've been thinking about? Is this is this Lakers team forget the Lakers actually. Is is LeBron on like a team where the most guys believe that they're better than him? Is this the is this the team where most guys have felt that way? Because I think between Dion, between Kyle Kuzma, definitely uh, Kyle Kuzma. Between J.R. Smith, I feel like there's so many even I probably even think Dwight Howard thinks like yeah, I mean my peak was higher. I'd be prone in the playoffs. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Tell me to wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe that. I was like like so when this all started when he when he was going hard at the NBA over like going back and playing, I was like, Yeah, I can't believe I'm rooting for Dwight for the it, I've always respected him, the player, obviously. I've I've tried to make that very clear. I've always respected him the player. Him the person has always been like, ah, you know. Like, I never really, like, loved or hated him. It was just like, I just don't care for Dwight all that much. You know, he just wasn't that fascinating to me. But now, after having rooted for her uh, earlier in this, now I'm kind of like, ah, I mean, of course it's you with the mask. Of course. Like, we were all rooting for you. You know, saying the right things, doing the right things, and then just put the mask on. How hard is it? I why, mean, why, are you, why are you one of the guys not putting a mask on? Like, come on, man. I think if I think if Dwight Howard could only watch C- CNN or any news outlet of his choice for a year, he would never watch TV. That's what I think about Dwight Howard. I don't think he's a man that searches for information. Yeah, uh, I mean that's just wear the mask, Dwight. Just, like just just wear the like this is i i feel like i say the same thing to every like there's not a discussion to be had sometimes just like just wear the mask like if, if that's all that they're asking for like just wear it shut up it's not that serious i'm 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 i'm, I'm a first ballot hall of famer defensive player of the year i've been going <laughs> i made some funnels what you mean wear a mask i don't got window mask y'all gotta <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I mean, I anyway, back to the Lakers. Um, yeah, I mean, it, look, it's a good point. I think Kyle Kuzma uh, definitely thinks he's better than LeBron James. Uh, I think Anthony Davis, I'm seeing, I don't know if you've seen this conversation with the Anthony Davis stuff, but you know how like ridiculous we are on NBA Twitter about things uh, every day. But I saw the this conversation where it was like, well, Anthony Davis is like a top five player in the game now. And it's like, I why like we know that this only works when like obviously he's a very good player he got a lot of help but it's like we always do this like once the guy gets the help and then suddenly like it it changes his individual status more you know and it's always like we got to go through those extra extremes like yeah, is, and is the Anthony Davis five T right now no I don't no. think so it's not I don't even think an it's I don't I don't I don't think it's disrespectful I just it's think not. that it's not. there's a lot of there's a lot of Laker fans who understood that Anthony Davis was good and now that they're actually seeing him rising he's elite now and there's just so many eyes because they're obviously the biggest fan base in you know in the country um it's just the same people saying the same thing but there's so many of them that it actually shifts the narrative is my opinion on it so I think I think that's all that is I mean I will say Anthony Davis is the type of guy where his impact really isn't appreciated unless you're watching the game because he's so good at like the nuances and stuff like that of defense and positioning and stuff like that. And it can get lost in, you know, an, an NBA Twitter culture of, you know, guys who want to see individual scoring only in, in very creative and, you know, that whole like jelly formation, but he's a guy that really just kind of, he's very mechanical, he's technical, but then like, he's really a superstar on the defensive end. And so, yeah, I get why Laker fans suddenly watching to what AD now think he's top five or he's the best player on the team because I've heard of that as well. But, nah, man, nah, man. It's just – he's just a very, very good player, but just n- not top five. And not top five is not disrespectful. There's, what, 450 players in the league. Me saying you're not exactly. in the 99.9 percentile, but you're in the 99.5 percentile is not – disrespectful it's just this has always been the case uh if if you don't appreciate some player the way somebody else appreciates that player it's just outright personal disrespect and nothing nothing less you know so it's it's a silly thing that you know we end up having to do but anthony davis is a star he's a very good player i don't agree that he's top five ish you know it's just i mean i don't know he's it we all know like the clear gonna get you to a finals type stars and then there's like the the one b it's not even like the second tier it's like the one b tier of stars and like that's kind of where anthony davis is there's nothing wrong with that it's just that's just where he is that's where he operates but anyway lakers are scary uh, i i do still like they're my favorites uh, i don't know about you but they're my favorites especially in the bubble uh, i would bet i would feel nothing more confident than betting on lebron james in the bubble with anthony davis like to me, that just feels like a good situation to bet on. And if I lose, I lose. The Lakers look like a team that was secretly playing scrimmages all, all. Uh, I, I, would, I would believe it a hundred percent because you know LeBron wanted to. No matter what was going on, he was one of the guys that absolutely had to play and finish the season. You know what I mean? I'm not even trying to conspiracy yeah. like tinfoil had it. Like, of course, you know that he was in on and wanted to play. So of course, I'd believe that he was, uh, uh you know, some uh, secret scrimmages. Remember when they uh. They were trying to match the the gym JR was in in LA for a while. 
when like he posts on his IG story and then like they take, I don't know if you saw this, they would like screenshot him shooting with like the mats behind him and then match it up to somebody else having shot there like the day before that LeBron. Yeah. Was. It was they like, they were playing scrimmage. I don't think that's a playing. conspiracy. They were playing, playing as a team in a way that I don't think other teams were playing and they look at it because they looked between them, the Bucks and the, the Clippers are hard because they, they were missing a lot of their rotation guys, but the top teams look like the top teams. Clippers still look good to me. I thought Reggie looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, like, like some of those bench pieces that I was worried about uh, looked pretty decent, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, what did you think? What, what was your other takeaways from this Lakers Mavs game? Uh, I know that we had Boban playing, which everybody loves and goes wild for, but you know, we he had shot Luka. A, he, he shot a three. He, he did. He, he did. It was straight cash. Uh, we had Luca and KP uh, who, as I like to often bring up, the Knicks never should have traded. Uh, I just want to remind everybody once again, but um, what other takeaways did you have from that game? And maybe where do you stand on the Mavs? Because I know though they're a team, uh, I've seen people kind of go either way on. Yeah, I'm excited about the Mavs because I think um, it's going to be interesting to see how Luka handles his first taste of, I guess, kind of playoff basketball. uh, Obviously, it's a different environment, but it is still playoff basketball in the way teams are going to prepare for him. And I think there's, like, a lot of belief that, like, oh, uh, Luka and Harden are just the same. So there's there's a chance that Luka is going to struggle in the same way as Harden. And yes, but also if you watch Dallas, you realize that Rick Carlisle and Mike D'Antoni are very different coaches, whereas Mike D'Antoni basically just gave James Harden the offense and everything is complementary to James Harden's offense. Um, Rick Carlisle is notorious for not necessarily giving up his offense and letting his kind of like bad players run it. And even though that has changed for Luca in that he gets to kind of freelance and do his own thing, they still have like a legitimate system separate from Luca and Dallas, which is very different than what Houston does. And they run Luca off ball and do those type of things. So I don't think he's going to struggle in the way people are, are um, analyzing slash hoping he's going to struggle, but just how, how real that Dallas offense is versus like, a team that can really like hamper down on their stars is going to be something super interesting. Cause we'll see if there's a, we'll see if they actually look like the first ranked offense. Yeah. Uh, so I, I agree on the Dallas system point too, because guys like Tim Hardaway jr. Who I, this is a, a stupid hill of uh, oh, Fred Van Vliet with an excellent three in this Toronto game just now, uh, friend of the pod, friend of the pod. But uh, a point I always try to make with Tim Hardaway jr. With, people that were always yelling at him while on the Knicks. I was like, he's like a fifth option, bro. Like he's like a fourth or fifth option that they were like, you take all the shots now. Like you're just the guy. So have fun with that for as long as you're here. It's like a weird situation to be put in. Like I think he knew he didn't necessarily, you know, belong in that role. So getting him back where he was supposed to be, I think he shot like 38, 39% from three this year, if I'm not mistaken. Like he shot legit well from three. Like that's that kind of again points to he fit in and he's a ca- big catch and shoot guy too, so yeah. he he fit in well. He's been excelling there. Like they have good pieces there. I do believe in Dallas to be honest with you. And the the whole like Harden Luca dynamic or you know everybody doing the comparison things. Like I actually kind of agree 
not with the, you know, he's going to struggle in the playoffs point, but their play styles obviously have some similarities to them. But I always thought Harden needed somebody like KP. You know what I mean? Like you needed that big who can, you know, screen for you effectively and can either roll to the rim or actually space the floor, which every time he's gone deep into the playoffs, like he's had what? Generally a, a pretty good rim protector. He's had a Capella. He's had Dwight Howard, who even though he had his back issues in Houston and obviously has struggled since, he had a couple of good seasons in Houston, you know, especially when he first got there. So Harden's always had like a good rim protector. It was just like they never really brought anything offensively aside of diving to the rim, you know, whereas like KP now, he's taking you out 30 feet, you know, like that's not something that a lot of centers are going to be able to do. And when you play with a guy who is like a Harden or like a Luka who has so much free reign with the ball and can kind of go wherever they want. It's a ton of space to give them, you know, and that's like a big target to always be able to harken back to. So that's kind of why I'd like just play style wise, like it's always going to be appealing to me when you kind of nail that dynamic. It just, it's like a very balanced floor game in 2020. And then it allows the shooters to kind of like pick wherever they want to go. Basically. Like you just stay mobile and, and make sure you get your rotations. But aside from that, like it's a good situation kind of almost for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, they've really kind of maximized what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, another team I was really interested by was Miami. Because I feel like – is Jimmy Butler, like, the weirdest kind of player um, assuming assumed to be, like, a superstar? Because I was really watching him, and he really plays like, like a watch dad playing pickup with his son. So it's like – He's bigger. He can, he can kind of manhandle, but like, he's really not great at anything. He just has a really high IQ. So he's able to like somehow stay positive. Like, I think Jimmy Butler is low key, like a really high level role player. that he's, happened to make an all-star game. It's look, it's an excellent point. He He's an, a very hardworking role player, right? Like the, it, it does make some kind of sense. I do think that, I feel like calling him a role player is still borderline disrespectful just as a Jimmy Butler fan. Um, but I understand it because it does make sense. He's like a game manager the more than he is like a star, you know, because you, you call him like a, a wash dad actually makes a lot of sense because it seems like he, he picks his like times when he wants to like go really hard and when he's just like fine fitting in, especially in Miami where he was just totally fine you know, certain games where it was just like, I'm just going to get a bunch of assists and rebounds and score 13 points tonight. I don't really care. Like, he just seems like some nights he he doesn't need to be able to shoot. He's just perfectly content. Like, ah, I mean, as long as the offense is kind of humming along, I'm good here. You know, like it's a, it's a, it's a strange dynamic for a player of his uh, status, I guess. It's a, it's a weird spot for him to be in. He is an, he's an interesting player. I mean, I, I wish he would get more than three hours of sleep, you know, start making some threes. You know, I can't feeling, believe how bad is Getting some good eyesight. Like, who, like, get some sleep, Jimmy. It's all right. It's all right, Jimmy. It's you you can right. sleep sometimes. Like, we don't always need the 4 a.m. story. <laughs> like, Especially if you're shooting 25% from three, man. Get, get a rest. Get, get, get your, your knees absolutely needed. Please go get some rest for your own benefit. But like, but like on, but like on Miami, because there's a lot of people that have been calling them like sneaky contenders, a team that can, you know, they have a smart coach, savvy veterans. I may not be talking about a tweet I tweeted. Um, Are they gonna 
surprise people because they have Bam out of bio who could give um, Giannis a hard time and, you know, they could just match up and they're versatile. Like, are you, one of those, are, are you a believer in the Miami Heat being a Fox contender? Yeah, man, I'm actually in on the Heat. Um, okay, okay. I, I I have I have concerns, and I, actually, my concerns are are very Jimmy Butler related um, because I feel like as good as Jimmy is, like honestly, like no no two ways about it. Like you can't continue to shoot like shit if they, if you're gonna do any if they're gonna do anything meaningful as a contender or try to make noise in that fashion. Like you gotta. It really honestly depends on it. But as far as like BAM goes and uh, some of those other pieces that they have, whether it's Nunn or Harrow, like I, I've i liked those guys. I've liked them all season, man. I, I dig that team. I watch them a lot on League Pass. I, I've, I'm into that play style. I It's very free-flowing. They play through BAM a little bit. They play through Jimmy a little bit. Everybody gets a piece of the action. They hit you from a couple different angles on the floor. They, they don't come at you one or two of the same ways. Uh I I like it. I just I think they have enough talent to make some noise. I don't know if they're gonna like truly truly get anywhere, but like a feisty second round team, you know, like maybe when the Grizzlies first burst onto the scene, the grit and grind, like something like that. Like I'm mean, I'm getting vibes of of like 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 a six game tough out against the uh, a one of the better teams. Like that's yeah, kind they, of the vibe I get. They scare me, and I'll I'll for me it's different because obviously people if you know me you know I'm a Celtics fan. As a Celtics fan, they scare me because on paper we're a better team. We beat them pretty handily the two times we played them during the regular season. But what scares me, like in the playoffs, they have so many just very highly successful, highly smart vets that know how to play. And a team like the Celtics is filled with a bunch of kids. And you just think, yo, they get you in a series. Like, these guys are not scared of the moment at all. While if I'm a a team with a lot of young players I'm relying on, like, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be inconsistencies. There's going to be these guys who play, who live and die on their shots going in or not, or their touches. And they don't know how to settle into playoff basketball. And the Heat do and they know what they're doing, and they're led by this really intelligent coach that, like Nick Nurse, is not afraid to do unique zones, matching up with man, throwing a full-court press at you, and they just got a bunch of dogs on their team. And you just think, like, it definitely has the ingredients to be a team that could, like, really shock people, just really, really shock people. You know what they kind of remind me of a little bit? Like, I get, like, kind of jazz vibes from them, you know? Like, Mm. like... Like out west, you know how uh, the last couple of years, like they've been feisty in the playoffs. Like Joe Ingles is like just ruining Paul George, just ruining him. You know what I mean? It's like makes you think, man. Like I don't know. Like you know, good young team, like scrappy bunch. Like they they have a good center. Obviously, a different, much different type than a Gobert. But you have your you know, they have the perimeter star in Jimmy, who's obviously a, an older player than, like, a Donovan Mitchell is. But just, like, having watched, like, the Jazz, like, play, with the, like, the Rockets last year. You know what I mean? And uh, the Clippers the year before. It was, like, I don't know. I, I kind of just get that. Like, you know what the Jazz are. You know they're going to be a tough out. Like, you know, like, Quinn Snyder has them playing good basketball. Like, a bunch of, like, safe floor for a lot of those guys. Like, you, you know what's going to come at you. But 
you're going to get like a good respectable basketball game out of them. Like that's kind of what I get. Like you, you might know that you're going to win in the end, but it's like, Jesus, like this is going to be annoying. Like, yeah, we can do it, but nobody wants to play them. Like that's kind of like the vibes they give me. Yeah, I see that as well. Um, it's really going to, I think if I'm, if I'm looking at them and I'm like, okay, like what are like the three things we're going to need if we want to get to say like the Eastern conference finals, um, one, obviously Jimmy Butler needs to get some sleep. Um, second, I would say guys like Andre Iguodala, guys like Solomon Hill, guys like uh, Jay Crowder needing to hit their open threes uh, consistently. And then you need guys and you need your other guys, the Robinsons, Heroes, um, Myers Leonard, Kelly O. <laughs> I named all the white guys <laughs> <laughs> to play to play defense and hold their own consistently because if they can get kind of like that type of balance it allows them to unlock all of their lineups which vary from being very big to super small it gives them it gives Bolstra all the tools that he needs to kind of mix and match uh for whatever team so those those are things that I'd be watching for them but like I like you um I think there's a world where you know it could be them in Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee yeah I, I just feel like I don't know how else to describe other than like they have like a very high floor like like their bad basketball is generally a pretty decent game you know like they didn't really struggle aside from like that one stretch I believe it was after the all-star break where they like I think it was after the all-star break or right before but they they went to like a weird funk after basically playing very good very fast basketball most of the year so I I believe in them I, I like the style that I saw and and to your point, still, uh, just from like the culture and experience perspective, I think that's kind of what you need in a wild experience like this, where you need someone to kind of corral everyone and keep them focused. So we will see, but I I like their chances more than I like, you know, an indie fighting for their lives with Depot trying to come back and looking like not terrific. You know, like... They try to bully him into playing. I'm 100%. I, I believe I'm, it too, to be honest with you. I really don't. I really feel like he sat, he was with his, he was with his team, his agent. They were like, look, man, it's about health. We need to secure this bag. You only got a year left on your contract. If you don't get injured and you stay healthy, you should be able to secure it. And he was like, you know what? That's smart. And it's a pandemic out here. So I'm going to stay in the house. But then he was, I think he's such like a high character guy and wants to be there for his team and sees himself as a leader. That he's like, all right, I'm going to go there and support willing to support and then he's there in practice and nobody said nobody said yo Vic you should be playing nobody said that but you out you out here oh man yo we look good bro yo we had you yo we had you Vic deep yo we go deep man yo yeah oh man deep you look good bro you out here looking good man I do look good I do feel good you know what I think I was gonna play. yeah man. hey man look we could be here for a long time we had something special if you was playing that's all I'm saying man stay healthy but man and I wish you was out here man and I just think stuff like that gets to you. And then you're like, you know what? F it. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. And it's like, now everyone at home is like, no, because he has really nothing to gain. Because I think people, even if not everyone is 100% on him, like, yo, he's a superstar, all NBA consistently. I think everyone at least kind of sees him in that all-star level. And if you guarantee health right now, like, you're good. You're good. The only thing that can happen here, in my opinion, because they, they sure as hell are not going to win no championship. So the only thing I think 
can happen here, the only thing is him getting injured. There's no upside to playing at all. And I think he was for sure bullied. And, hey, it is what it is. I just, I, I just, I just wish him the best because I think he was smart not to play the first time. Yeah, I always just think the common sense approach to these situations is always, well, a guy is coming back from injury. He's still not fully healed, even despite the time off. We're coming back in a, in a wild experimental situation here, trying to finish the season in unprecedented circumstances. Like sometimes like the common sense just really is there to outweigh, you know, now on top of things, you know, again, you don't know how well guys are able to work out or what they're able to do. We can't just assume everybody is like a full home gym in court either, you know? So it's like, you don't know what he was able to even do while he was home and had the time off. And now he's got to come back from another break. And it just seems like a lot. I wish they would have just let him sit. Or, you know, again, we don't know maybe the full story yet, but I do agree with you. It's a fishy situation. I, I don't really love what they're doing out there. But if he's going to play again, hope he's healthy. Hope he's playing well. Uh, I He's one of my favorite, you know, non-Knicks he's been for a while. Um, I selfishly hope they take a flyer on him somehow, whether they pick him up for the low via trade or they throw some money at them when uh, he – whenever we can and he, you know he could turn us down at that point but uh it is what it is i'd like to just see that man be healthy because when healthy we've seen how impactful and how good he can be so yeah and the team that they were playing in that first game portland has also been like this other team that like miami um people are like hey man like if they get healthy you know nurk looks good you never know man they get the lakers little run for their money and my, from where I come from, it I'm just like, got people always forget that there are such things as competitive four-game series. There are such things as competitive five-game series. Just because you think a team is going to be competitive does not mean you have to think that they'll take a very a vastly superior team to five or six. Sometimes it just means they'll only lose by eight one game, okay? Or at home, they'll have a big lead before they blow it and go down 3-0. Sometimes that's all that means. And I think Portland is like that. Had they had, like, a Trevor Ariza, like someone who I could trust to defend a wing and weren't relying on um, Gary Trent Jr. for stuff like that, or Skinny Mellow, who's actually skinny, unlike James Harden, um, I would be more interested in them. But I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about it, because I know Dame's your guy. It's, so I, I'm extraordinarily – like, so I, I like individually Dame and CJ long before – the whole mellow thing like so i i always peg my like i i don't know i'm not a draft guy you know that but like when i like a prospect i'm very loud about it and a lot of times like when i actually choose to plant my flag like it works out like oladipo it worked out um you know dennis Smith jr it has not worked out sadly but um what was his name i lost my train of thought damien damien Damian Lillard. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I'm cutting that part out because fuck that. But I I don't know what happened. But um, but Dame, Dame is somebody that I was also very high on too. Um, I remember talking to one of my good friends who is a a Blazers fan, and I was like, "You guys got to take Dame during that draft. That you guys need a guard. Like that's the guy. Like that guy's gonna be incredible." And he actually worked out. So I've been riding with him literally since he came out of school. Um, So I'd like to continue to be biased however it's the lakers man like i if you've seen my tweets ever if you've been following me um 
you know that my rule of thumb is you just don't bet against like LeBron, right? And that's basically where Dame's going to end up. If if they make, you know, they they're going to have to get through a top seed and everybody keeps talking about, oh, they can give, you know, the Lakers a run for their money. And it's like, sure. Yeah. Maybe it's a, it's a competitive four games or five games. Cause I do agree with you. Like they're not going to be pushovers. Like Nurkic is back. Zach Collins is back. Those are guys that are impact players for them. You know, Dame's Dame, CJ, CJ Mello is, you know, he's been pretty decent for them, you know, all things considered with what they've asked him to do. Uh, And he doesn't, generally look like total garbage out there in defense. You know, obviously he's going to get burned in the perimeter most of the time, but he's actually giving a genuine effort, keeping his body in front for the most, as well as he's going to do in this stage of his career. You know what I mean? So I, I would like to believe in them, but it's just too much. You just don't bet against LeBron James. I'm not sure that they have an answer for Anthony Davis either. Uh, the Lakers play like a, just a really physical, like it's a tough defensive team too that people keep forgetting on top of like all the offense that LeBron can create and Anthony Davis can create uh it, it's a tough team man I, I just don't know how like you so if you get through the perimeter then you have like JaVale McGee who's been what, a pretty good rim protector Dwight Howard who's been good for the Lakers you know what I mean Anthony Davis who's a, a good rim protector and defender in his own right it's like I I just don't know that you're gonna really make noise against them I think it's a good situation for them to be in with getting all these guys back and healthy. I don't want to say they have no chance, but yeah, like a puncher's chance. Like maybe they'll make some noise. Maybe they, they take a game. Maybe they take two. I just don't think that they're going to win the series. I just think it would, they're going to give somebody a, a hard fought, you know, four or five games. That's probably it. It's tough, man. Like when you take these top teams, like they're, they're always, we always find out quickly in the playoffs why they're the top teams for a reason. We always learn very quick, like, ah, okay, you know how many years we've done, like, well, you know, LeBron's maybe going to be the same heading into the playoffs, and then, like, two games in, we're like, oh, okay, he's still LeBron. Uh, another 28-10-10 game from LeBron. Okay, never mind. The, you know, the Cavs won by 12 today. Okay, game one's over. It's like, I, I just feel like that's always what ends up happening. So I, I would love to believe in the Blazers, but I can't, given just where they're likely to end up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the only thing, if you were to play devil's advocate about it, would be, you know, the Lakers are down Avery Bradley, their best their best wing defender. They're down Rondo. They are going to, at some point, have to rely on guys like Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, at least in some capacity early on. And those guys having to try to defend Dwayne Wade. I mean, I said Dwayne Wade. Damian Lillard. Uh, I mean, that but then that's that's why it's a fighting chance it's not why they can win it's why they're gonna have a competitive five game series so yeah yeah sorry pacer fans dame is still a killer though <laughs> yeah so i'm yeah definitely think it'd be, it's a it'll be competitive but not not enough and obviously i'm rooting for Melo. i'd like for him to go out on top it'd be i'd love to be wrong and things work out and the blazers go nuts it'd be excellent i'll be rooting for it but I don't think that's in the cards. The last thing I wanted to touch base with you on, though, is our boy, Bobo. And I wanted to ask you, where on the bandwagon is your position? Are you just the passenger? Uh, are you the conductor? What is your status on the aforementioned bandwagon for Bobo? Look, man, I think, first of all, when I saw Bobo just extend that what feels like a 10-foot wingspan, up and send some guy shot after backboard without leaving his feet in the air. Dribbled up the court, looking off Jokic, 
and pulled up from three and just switched it. No, I was, I immediately knew Mason Plumlee will be out of a job after this season. He wouldn't, he would not be back with the Denver Nuggets is my opinion. Um, I think, I think the Denver Nuggets are going to, are now the most interesting team in the bubble because people laughed at that big jumbo lineup that they, that, that they put out there. And I think it's just, I think it's the type of crazy gimmick that in this environment, in this type of tournament, could be the type of thing that really just like flusters the team and potentially flips a series for them. Because yes, it's a big lineup, but there are roles defined within it. Like Jokic is good enough as a playmaker that he has a point guard. And if you're talking about guys like uh, Jerry and Grant, who was shot at a respectable level of open off the catch, similarly with, uh, with Bull Bull, who's, you know, came in as knowing to have a high shooting touch. So you kind of have like the floor space and despite playing these huge guys. Now, can they guard anybody? I don't know. But I, I sure as hell hope Mike Malone lets us find out. Because especially like you, it doesn't even have to be those specific five. What if you um, replace Mason Plumlee with Michael Porter Jr.? You just got Jokic, Porter Jr., Bull Bull, Jerrion Grant, and Paul Millsap in the game. Like it's so ridiculous that it might just actually work in some situation. So I'm very excited about that. So I, I want to start off with my Nuggets take by saying that as an own Jokic hater who's had to publicly eat crow several times on it, and I have done I have done so, I have done so, I do stand by the take that they can't defend in the playoffs. And the only reason I'm saying that is I think they have a very low margin for error for what they're trying to accomplish. And I think normally it works because Jokic has actually done it in the playoffs. So I'm not going to say it doesn't work. I'm, I'm just saying like, it seems like they're always going blow for blow with teams versus like being in control. If that makes sense. I don't know if you agree with that, but it always seems like it just feels like they're always like back and forth. Like even with the Spurs a little bit, it felt like they were going back and forth with DeRozan for a while or back and forth. It was like, when are the Nuggets just going to, like, step up and, like, okay, we're the number two seed. Like, we're going to, like, take control of a series, like, and show out. Then they go and play the Blazers, who, again, nothing wrong, not, not a disrespectful thing to the Blazers, but it was, like, if you're looking for the time for, like, the Nuggets to take a step, I would imagine, you know, you're going to be able to – Jokic was, like, a very popular pick, you know, early on uh, what last season in some MVP talks and things like that or at least getting consideration for the conversation – And it's like, you got to be able to elevate in the playoffs and like, not for nothing, but you know, those Portland teams were good, but we saw that the the couple of years prior there made light work when they had to run into the the Warriors who were a buzzsaw, but it was just like, I don't know that they can guard perimeter oriented guys that well. I, I don't know that they can really do a ton of containing. It seems like these guys are always, they're chasing them around or fending them off to some degree. And I, I have my concerns, especially in the bubble with that. That's my big, like, Nuggets as a contender concern. You know, I think generally, like, they're going to be able to get by just fine. Um, And Bowl is going to give them a a new element that I hope that they really lean into because I think you know this, but I think a lot of people forget that the reason he fell had nothing to do with his talent. Um, Obviously, I think most people should know that by now, but it was a – uh, I think character and off-court stuff, if I'm not mistaken, was I think the 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 
what they tell you about the situation. I I don't know any intel off the top of my head, but it was never a talent thing. Like he was one of the most recruited players. Like talent wise, everybody's already believed in what he has in that, you know, that frame of his. So seeing him actually be able to like kind of get out there and be unleashed a little bit and just kind of like play his own game is nice. You got to see him throw his body around and like make himself felt, make his presence felt. And it, you, you know, not just defensively where everyone was going to expect him with his frame to be able to block shots, but, and he did, I think he had six blocks, but going, you know, like you said, looking off, going down, dribbling, pulling up for three, splashing it. Like it's nice, man. It's nice. It's, it's weird when you see a big do that. Uh, it reminds me, uh, you know, me anyway, of KP when he first burst out of the scene. Cause I was, I was skeptical of KP. Uh, and I remember when I was took note was they played the Hawks and I think it might've, I forgot who it was, but he, he was like almost going out of bounds and he saves the ball going behind his back, dribbling it, catches it with his left, takes two big dribbles, comes up, dunks the ball. And I was like, Oh my God, this guy might be for real. This is unbelievable. What, what am I looking at here? Like I have never seen a person that large move that fluidly. Like, what was that? And I got like the same vibes real quick from bowl. I was like, Oh, oh okay. Like, Kind of knew you had it, but like now you've seen it, seen you do it over here. Like this is nice. I I hope they lean into that a little bit more. Yeah, and the the fun thing about Bobo is like they're just certain like special type of unique players. Like it doesn't take much to see that they're special, right? I remember I remember feeling like that watching Ben Simmons for the first time. I remember feeling like that when I watched LeBron for the first time. Jump off Uh, the screen. Most recently, uh, Zion and Luca. Um, and Bobo, like, maybe he doesn't, he's not at that level, obviously, but like, you could just tell the way he moved his confidence, um, just his, his massiveness and uniqueness as a player. It's like everything we hoped on maker would be. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly a way to put it. And I know Thon, there was a lot of hype with him coming in and people wanted him to do well, and it hasn't gone that way yet for the most part, but you know, we'll see. But uh, to your point, though, like you should be like my big thing with prospects is like you should always be able to know pretty quickly like this guy is going to be able to impact the game. Like you shouldn't have to talk yourself into a prospect. You shouldn't have to like find something that somebody's going to be able to do that's impactful. Like that's always my take. Like you should watch the game and pretty quickly you should be able to know like, oh, okay, that's the guy like that. You know, like that he, he could do X, Y or Z. Like they make it known their presence is felt in such a way. And seeing Bull do that kind of reminded me of that same kind of a thing. So it it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't take much. Like you you see a guy who's that big pull up for three. It's like, okay, well, uh, he's very young. Obviously, he's still very raw and he's still with his frame able to dribble and pull up for three. Maybe we should experiment developing everything about him to make sure he's the best basketball player he could be because my goodness, if he can do that already, you know, like my goodness, if you guys give him professional attention, you know, and he's bought in too, like that, you really might have something special there. And let's not forget, they have another big swing with Michael Porter Jr., which was another injury kind of stash of theirs too. So they have big swings on the bench that they seem to be kind of invested in. I just wonder how much they're going to rely on them, uh, not just in the bubble, but moving forward too. So, if you were the Knicks GM right now, 
would you be saving cap space to go after Bull Bull when he hits free agency in 2021? I mean, saving's a funny word. I don't know if they're <laughs> going to have to, I don't know if they're going to have to save money. I think the money's going to be there for the money. Um, this is my stance. I, I, and I, I don't think the, the Leon Rose West era is going to do anything anything close to this anymore but my if i was the next gm yeah i would uh my, my stance is always throw a bunch of money at young good players i'm always fine taking a flyer on players like that um any way that you can get them so if if they're available you gotta throw a little bit of money at them yeah absolutely um i think it, it, that kind of talent a, a big who could spread the like what they had in KP, honestly, like you need a big who can do things like that in 2020. Like that's sort of how you counteract some of the the heavy guard play in, in today's day and age, you know, like you need a guy who can do that. So I, I would throw money at him. I would like to have the chance to throw money at him. I think uh, it, it would be a nice, nice thing for us to have, but we'll see. Uh, until then, I'm going to watch Mitchell Robinson videos. He's uh, doing a lot of dribbling and pulling up for threes in gyms right now. I don't know if you paid any attention to that, but I'm going to, uh, talk myself into drinking the Kool-Aid and workout videos, which, as you know, uh, never amounts to anything. Oh, yeah, man. I felt the Mitch Robinson. I have. Of course I saw it. The Andrew Bynum energy just drew me in so much. To see that, man, just – this is why coaches, I think, hate summer scrimmages. Because <laughs> Mitch Robinson out here trying to, trying to be Kevin Durant instead of, you know, practicing things like free throws and – Give me Any a type of footwork. Give me a baby hook from five feet, damn it! Like, <laughs> like what? What are you? Do? I I get it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, so every time with the workout videos, and I'm sure you probably run into this the same way. My first reaction is always the same as everybody's. I'm going to be totally honest. I never watch the workout video and go, "Oh no, he still sucks." You know, like it's not a thing. I always watch the workout no. video. My my first reaction is, "Look at this! Look at him, man! Look, he is dribbling like a guard. He is seven feet." Look at him. He's pulling up for a three. This is unbelievable. I am tantalized. I want to see him do this in the game. And then I have to immediately talk myself back into like, he's probably at the Y. He's playing a bunch of people he doesn't really care about. He's showing off because he's an NBA player. He's an NBA player because he's one of the best 400 whatever best players in the world. Obviously, he's going to be able to make shots like this. Of course, he's going to be able to make shots like this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, that's always my thought process. Incredibly impressed. And then I have to like, shave myself out of being impressed the rest of the way wow kyle kyle you just explained to me watching cam newton daily ig post <laughs> i'm still I, I i knew you guys were getting cam newton i knew it just the the only you know how the universe works like he could have only went to new england he could have those only, damn the Patri- only story that made sense oh those damn patriot bloggers knocked me off the damn scent they're like oh, i don't know man stidham throws a really tight spiral he looks really good i think belichick really likes stidham man i think that's why they kept him it's another jimmy g and i drank the goddamn soup but then i saw cam newton with his shirt off and man man it's like we got it's like we got the madden quarterback that you make up and you make him super tall super big super fast can run anywhere I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I I'm mean, he, he he's always on Cam. Like when he's working out, he's on. And this is not like a like slander or anything. Like he's just that's just who he is. Like on IG, like when he's talking, you know, shit, and, and like gospel music is playing in the background. He's like, they forgot about me. They forgot about me. That's that's Cam Newton. And when he's dressed up and 
full garb in one of his wild fits on another interview or studio session, that's Cam Newton. And when he's MVP level and he's playing great football games, like that's still Cam Newton. He's always like, that's just who he is. He's always like on and he's always a presence. So, yeah, man, I mean, I, I get it. I get man. it. So You brought up a really good point, though, with Cam Newton. Because I think sometimes I think that's what really separates athletes besides for the genetics is that the stuff that we think are, like, corny or stuff like, okay, yeah, we say it, but we don't really, really believe it. It's like, um, nah. I was going to try to be smooth when I DM'd you, but – my fault. My battery is at one percent on the laptop, so I'm just grabbing my charger from upstairs real quick. Okay, no problem. Do you want me to keep talking or pause? Uh, pause now, and then we'll okay. just pick it right back up, and I'll cut this part. But hold on, it's like right. right around the corner. All right, yeah. I wasn't sure where the pod was going to stop, so I was cutting it close. But all right, three, two, one, and you could pick it back up wherever. Okay. Yeah, so about the point on Cam, I think that, like like him, I think he shows it the most. But I really think that's, that's what separates athletes from, like, us outside of genetics is that the type of things we think are corny or the type of, like, mantras we hear, and it's like, eh, whatever. Like, I think they just really live by those things. Like, I think – I think there's professional race car drivers who really just live up if you're not first, you're last. And they never grew out of that. And that's just their mindset. And what makes some of these great players so great is that they could just stay focused on that. And that's all they care about. And just that's have a singular focus. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah but I'm I feel happy to have Cam. Uh, but I do agree with you. You got to be a psycho a little bit to be a top athlete yeah. like that. You, you got to like, believe and actually live and breathe the mantras to be able to live and breathe your own hype to be that confident week to week and not listen to everybody who replies to your tweets or to your posts or says nasty things because I have not even 4,000 followers and I cannot resist ignoring those people so I can't imagine the mental fortitude it takes to uh, not just play but excel at that level so I I agree with you I think you got to be a certain kind of person to buy into those kinds of things with that being said get some sleep jimmy butler please please man you gotta shoot better than 30 percent from three this is the goddamn bubble man please get it together but uh on that note alex thank you again for joining me uh as you often do on the show do you have anything to plug or you have anything coming up I, i know normally you got some content during the nba season and you know now we're about there again I want to use my plug time to ask you, where are you at with the 2020 NBA draft? Who's who, who are the Knicks drafting? Who is the next KP? So I don't like doing this now when we know that the odds are as bad as they are. And I, I feel like before I could more or less know where I was going to pick, you know, like that's sort of how the, the old lotto, it was like barring a miracle. You kind of know you're going to be X, Y, or Z. Like, so, so these couple of guys are who you can expect. Now things are a little bit different, so I don't know. But being that said, um, I would like LaMelo, man. Um, I believe that jumper is going to come along in the NBA. I think you can't teach size. And as a 6'7 playmaker, I am enticed. 
Um, I'm never really truly sold on any prospects anymore because they all break my heart and never stay in New York. But uh, Lamella would be nice. Um, that's sort of my, I, I guess, the, the, the dream scenario. I, I like Denny a lot too, to be honest with you. I've been watching more of him the last couple of months now that I had time to catch up. Um, I, I do like him a lot. Um, I get flack for this one. I like Halliburton. I don't know where you stand. I don't know maybe where he's going to end up as a prospect, but I think he's a smart guard and the Knicks never have good guards or smart ones. So I feel like if you fall back a couple of spots, you're not picking where you, you want and you miss out on like a, a Lamello that you wanted. I think that's a decent pick. I think at some point you just got to get smart players in and kind of go from there when you have an RJ or a Mitch, but it's kind of where I'm at right now. I always try to tear it. I never really have like one guy that I, liver breathe by anymore i like halliburton for you guys though i really like him for you guys um just because like it's weird how someone's like on draft twitter we can like overhype guys like there's a guy from fsu called like patrick williams and literally the appeal about him is he's built well and he's only 18 and it's very little skill. A lot of it is you're, you have to squint really hard to see a forward, and even then you're not sure what it is. Are you describing then, Kevin Knox? Or? Yes, yes. But then there's guys like Tyrese Halliburton who are just like they, – they're super high IQ players, proven, proven capable jump shooters, a, a player that no matter where guys have on the board, if you ask them – could he be a rotation player on a playoff team right off the bat? You can see it. Like, why not bet on those guys to take a leap? Guys who actually show that they're skilled and, like, can play winning basketball. Take a leap on take a leap in on those guys because it's like they they have the higher chance of putting it together. So I, I, I'm i also in on the Tyrese Halliburton thing. Yes. And it, like, that's, that's all I'm saying is, like, it's – like, for example, like uh, – Everybody, and this isn't even like I'm plugging him because he was on the pod at this point, but like the Fred Van Vliet thing is a good example, right? Like he was a smart guard. He was a smart, good college NBA guard, right? And it's like, obviously this is a different degree. He wasn't like a, a lot of regarded talent when he was entering the draft and everything, but it was like at some point, like when you saw Fred like get an opportunity and you're like, oh, okay, like, oh, look, he's a rotational guard. Like kind of like from the jump, it was like, ah, oh, that's, that makes sense. Like he's he's serviceable. It's like, you can grow like there's evidence of those guys like growing just because they're smart, decent basketball players. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't always have to squint and be like, well, down the road, maybe three or four years from now, he'll start being a good player. You can take a couple of those swings. Those can't be every swing. All your swings can't just be young guys with wingspan and they're 18 years old. And maybe they'll turn into the guard that I want one day, or maybe this guard that I drafted or this player that I drafted without a jump shot will develop one, one day, or maybe like at some point, like, yeah, man, just take the guy who can already do a couple of those things. And just as you see, it does not always work well. See what happens. Um, ask, ask magic comma Orlando. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not great. It's not great. That place is a wasteland. Good park, though. I good like park. Disney. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Disney's a good spot. Uh, and uh, the bubble is uh, a decent... Oh, I will say, last thing I will say, too. I love how they've embraced in the bubble the, the 2K vibes. Like, they have the barber shop. 
the the practice floor literally looks just like the rec areas that you'd go to in 2k like they've they've totally blown it out it's just it's really a real life video game at this point even aesthetically like they put in an nba barbershop like that's very 2k nba is such it's such an entertainment product it's crazy it, it really such, is. It's it's really such an entertainment project. It really is. It really is. My my eyes lighting up for an NBA barbershop in Disney is not something that would have been on the bingo card probably ever for me. But if you told me about it, but it's yeah. hilarious nonetheless when that image pops up on the screen. But yeah. just reminds you of the hilarity of the situation that we're in. It's a unprecedented yeah. time. But on that note, thanks again for joining me, buddy. As always, uh, make sure you're following Alex on Twitter. As always, if you want to give them your handle, buddy. My t- my handle is Kungu underscore NBA. Um, anyone who tweets at me with the hashtag get sleep Jimmy gets an automatic follow. You heard it first. If you listen to this podcast, if you made it to the end and you just reply to the man on Twitter with get sleep Jimmy, you get a follow from one of the most smart follows you can get on the NBA Twitter sphere. It's a no-brainer, folks. So, Alex, thank you again for coming on, folks. Make sure you follow him and pick up your free follow. It costs you nothing. It is free 99. And uh, make sure you subscribe and rate and review the pod. It helps me stay employed. And on that note, we will talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.